This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, give yourself the gift of a successful go-live. Sean Wendell is our speaker for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. On today's call, we will discuss how to ensure your ERP implementation go live is a success. Sean, thanks for joining us. Good to see you. Yep, good to see you too. And I'm glad that we both got the memo on the black shirts. Oh, yes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> if all else fails, wear That's something right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, good. Well, um, this is kind of a continuation from our last webinar where we were talking about um, ERP implementations, and now we're transitioning to the actual go live. So not that I have any experience with it, but from what I've learned through the years is that if you're to this point, you've spent a lot of time and money getting here and have a lot invested. Now we want to just make sure that everything goes as planned, right? Okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Right. Well, there may be some people that are joining us today that haven't gone through uh, an ERP implementation or a go live. Can you describe what a typical go live involves? Well, it's sort of like when a woman has a baby. I don't know. Just just kidding. Um, You know, uh, the the ERP go live is. it, it's sort of like everything else in life, right? Like, like if you've prepared for it and you have everything ready, you know, we can look at it like the birth of a baby. I don't know. That's probably a, a, a terrible example, but it is. It's a big event that's going to occur that, you know, it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen. So, okay, if it's going to happen, then let's just make sure everything that we know about gets handled so that when the circumstance when the go live occurs, the stuff we don't know about, we have time and we have our best resources available to handle in the real time so that the go live becomes a non-event. Go live equals non-event. That's my goal. Ideally, that's how the go live works. Does it always work like that? You know, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, We just had a a really nice go live um, last month where there were definitely some issues that popped up, but they were relatively minor to to the point where the client was very thankful and very appreciative and and everything else. That's always a good indicator to me uh, that the go live went well is because our clients like us. Um, (laughs) If they don't go well, they really don't like us that much at all. Again, sort of like a lady with her partner at uh, delivery. Um, but but it, it's it's really one of those things where it's the result of months and months and months of work. I mean, we'll talk about data, for instance, as we get into the call and how vital it is to do data rehearsals, go live rehearsals earlier so that by the time you're ready for go live, everybody knows exactly what to do, right? I think overall, Juliet, you know, that's why I love this topic of go lives is um, they don't have to be a a huge event, right? Go lives equals non-event. That's our goal. We know what to expect. So when you know what to expect and you plan for it, then it goes, it goes as good as it can go. It goes pretty well there. That's, that's really the secret, right? Is planning and 
I think everybody on the call, you know, if you're if you're interested in ERP or around ERP, you kind of know that innately, you know, that the plan is important. But really, that's the essence of the go live is did we let did we plan effectively or not? Right. There is no more like chances after go live. Um, that's the time. And so it's sort of like uh, like in high school, I used to do the musicals. I I was a terrible singer. But I, I loved being in the musicals, mostly because there were other people that were kind of cute. They did them too, you know, whatever. And, and uh, But I, I really had a fun time with them. And you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And you're working on this and that and da-da-da. And then boom, it's showtime. Go live is showtime. But, but here's the thing then is that after go live, right, now you have a system that's in production that you also have to support. So unlike, you know, a show, a Broadway show where it's like, it's actually more like a Broadway show. You have your first night, right, where everybody's nervous and not sure how it goes. But then, you know, you got the second night, the third night, the fourth night. So you can think about go lives as sort of the opening night that you do everything you can go that that needs to happen. But listen, we're a long-term show that's going here. So it's okay to make tweaks after go live. So we want to make it a non-event, but if things happen, there's still time to fix things and make it go well. And I'll throw in a couple more tidbits later on, on how to help kind of set the expectation with your uh, fellow stakeholders too on go live. That'll be helpful. Right. Well, it sounds like preparation is the key. And if you have done the correct preparation, Hopefully, it all just transitions and the go live goes smoothly, right? That's right. And knock on wood and everything that's around you and everything else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with your years of experience, you've been through many go lives, many different companies through the years. Can you describe one of your successful go lives and then what you felt contributed to its, its success? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's see. You know, it, I think I think it's a good example to talk through because this go live that I'm thinking about wasn't exactly the best that we went through, but I think the client was the most prepared for how it was going to go. So probably the, the secret ingredient that we did um, for that was massage therapists. Mm -hmm. um, we literally hired several massage therapists to come on site. And uh, the week of go live, uh, we let people sign up for, for massages. It was quite cool. You know, the, 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 several people took advantage of it. Some people didn't, but, but it's, uh, it's kind of funny. We actually did do that. And it really helped in this particular instance, because there were a lot of nervous uh, folks going into the go live. Um, the organization was was quite complex, and the software that that we were replacing was definitely mission critical. Basically, billing for a professional services firm, and you know most professional services firm cash flow, you know day sales outstanding in that. And when you look at kind of cash, cash runs a services firm, any any business for sure. But if there's any problems with invoicing, and our clients don't get the bills. And then they get them late and then the clients take forever to pay the bills. And then the cash, this day sales outstanding can get extended. So there's no working capital for the organization to continue. Now there's lines of credit and other kinds of, of mechanisms that people can do for cash. But um, for this particular client, um, that was the biggest concern. So um, as we went into go live, we did lots of, of testing of invoices 
um, but probably not enough, mm-hmm. right? I think, Juliet, you know, on our calls here, I, I try to be honest with everybody, with our clients and not like spreading, you know, unicorn magic that there will be no problems and everything will be fine. It's just not true. Um, but we knew going into this go live that the biggest issue we had was the software was good. It was complex. It was a bigger application, a tier one um, ERP, and it wasn't SAP, and it rhymed with schmoracle. Um, <laughs> and um, the, the billing requirements were very complex because this professional services firm, an engineering firm, had lots of government uh, contracts. Government contracts with uh, the uh, federal acquisition regulations, FAR, DCAA, you know, when you're working for government organizations, they have some very specific requirements around costing and how much they'll pay. We had all those requirements. And and we knew the requirements. We knew the app was set up. um, And the thing we knew was that the team, the billing team and um, the PMs that were reviewing the bills, they were very, very busy. As we did the whole project, everybody was very, very busy. Um, this was several years ago. Um, the, the client actually sold to sort of was, was part of an oil and gas boom several years ago, growing like mad. They know they needed new systems. We didn't get enough testing done. And um, um, I'll never forget this moment because I was, you know, looking, the staring the CFO in the eyes and just saying, I, I know we're late. But we're not ready. Um, and he looked at his controller and said, do you agree? And she said, no, we, we're never going to be ready. We just need to do this. He said, we're doing it. Okay. But we knew it was a risk. And, and we did have a mitigation for what happens when we go live and we create invoices and they're not correct. Right. I mean, if anybody's on this call that has been an ERP, your heart should be thumping right now as you hear this story. Right. Because you're like, oh, my gosh, like, did the people get fired or like what happened with the invoices? And, and you know, there were several months where the invoicing was down, where the invoices that the system was creating weren't quite right. But we were in a position where we could take that information very quickly, do some manual modifications and get the bills out. So while the implementation team is working with the people who didn't have the time to give us the feedback earlier, now they have no choice but to give us the feedback. So I'll never forget that scenario. It was like the worst, like it was over Christmas and uh, it was actually a little later, um, but it was just kind of winter time and, you know, it's kind of up north in the U.S. and it's cold. And I was like, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Um, but we got through it and, and the client was able to get to the, to the back end quickly, relatively quickly within a couple months. So basically our goal live got extended. It wasn't just like, okay, we went live today. Yay. It was actually like a three or four month go live process to finally say the system's solid. Now we're ready to go now. And, and that system has put them in a position where they've been able to grow and expand and do some other things, which is great. Um, but you know, it's it, the most important thing about the go live, right? Here's a, here's a shiny nugget as I'm starting to call them bling, 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 is know what your risks are and have a mitigation for them. Don't, don't just go on hope. Right. So there's going to be risks uh, uh, inevitably. Again, testing helps to minimize those risks, but you know, again, another, here's a little nugget bling, bling, bling for everybody. I 
gauge the, the likelihood of success on the implementation based on the involvement of the end users and the subject matter experts on user acceptance testing. Mm-hmm. If there's a ton of, of, of people involved in user acceptance testing, because you can set them up and you can ask them to come and you can get them ready and you can give them scripts and you can give them all the stuff to do it. doesn't matter how many people were really involved. And if you have a lot of people involved, your go live is going to be okay. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. But if there aren't that many people involved in UAT, then you're going to have a nightmare for a go live because basically go live becomes UAT, user acceptance testing. And it's just dangerous when, when that happens. But we had another client that um, kind of did the same thing as I shudder and think about it, um, where the folks were so busy and they just didn't give us the time on the implementation. And we told the sponsor, like, look, you're never going to get them to give you the time. But they're just not going to do it until it becomes their system. Once it's their system, they'll be fine. These are smart people that work it out, but they're busy and, you know, since the late 90s, what I've seen with businesses is everybody's so busy. Everybody. I mean, we work with mid-sized organizations. They're resource constrained. They can't like say, okay, all the people go do your normal job. And then, you know, this team of 20 people will go over and focus on the system. It's not real. You got the same people that are trying to run the business and trying to do the system. And, you know, the next thing that comes up, oh, hey, we're going to buy a business or whatever. So be realistic about the expectations. Don't rely on hope. Use the user acceptance testing cycle as a gauge. Um, and and then, um, you know, when you go live, if you have the right um, resources available to handle anything in real time, too, that's another little kind of gem is we knew on the second example that I gave you, we knew that go live was going to be a certain kind of storm. <laughs> I'll leave it with that on the video. Excuse my expressions, but oh. so then we had the developers on site, um, several of them, and basically like opened like like all their their apps are open to start editing the product and in real time and fixing um, gaps as they as they became apparent. So again, got through both scenarios. Both companies were able to get through it. They got live, thankfully. Um, and, and we, we were able to make it okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, um, I mean, there comes a point where you just don't really have a choice and you have to move forward. And if you're able to like mitigate the problems that come up or work through them, then, you know, that's what you have to do. You can't just jump off a cliff and hold your breath and, you know, hope it all works out, but you know, you have to do it at some point. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, actually on that point, Juliet, before you get to the next question, this is really, really important though, because in our industry, right? I mean, you can tell I don't sell software. Um, there are a lot of projects that actually don't go live where they actually get close to go live. Oh, we'll push it for a month. Okay, fine. And then they do a bunch of stuff, you know, pocket, pocket, pocket. Okay, it's the next month. Let's go live. No, let's push it off. It does get pushed off sometimes indefinitely. Wow. And and that's that to me is like that's like the worst, right? I mean, I'm always an honest person. Um, I try to be politically correct, but I'm not. But I, like, it makes me like like so mad when I hear about a company, an organization, nonprofit, government agency that spent all this money and they don't go live. Right? I mean, my my second project in the '90s with a large management consulting firm, tons of people working on stuff. 
you know, lots of effort, lots of activity. And then, you know, two, three years into the project, four years, whoop, pull the plug. We're not doing it anymore. What do you mean we're not doing it anymore? Like, it's such a moral, like, letdown. Like, everybody who's involved in a project, if you don't go live, they're like, well, what did I just do? Did I just waste all my time? Right. I mean, much less the money, right? And, and much less the drivers that you're doing this for are probably still there. So, mm-hmm. You're exactly right that there it is sort of like you're standing at the top of the cliff. Anybody who's ever done any kind of fun, you know, jumping off a cliff into water or even a pool or whatever, whatever, even jumping into a marriage or buying that new car, whatever it is, like, you know, you want to do it and you know, it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you do have to trust the process that you're going to get through it. Okay. And I mean, again, for everybody on the call, as always, you know, please call us. I, you know, I'll I'll like talk to you tonight at midnight, although I got to finish up a big deliverable tonight. So I'll probably be busy, but but just, you know, call Juliet. I mean, call Erica and, and Sean, anybody in our firm, some of our consultants and just say, hey, I'm running into this problem. I'm not sure. We'd love to just give you that little bit of insight um, because to not go live is is like, it's it's like it's like all of us in the ERP industry die a little bit, frankly. And I hate that. There's ways of getting around it, ways to get better. Anyway, I'll stop being so emotional now. <laughs> well, I mean, you, people put in a lot of time and emotion, and you know, and it's their job. I can, you know, you want it to be successful without exactly. It. So. Well, okay, let's talk about specific factors that we should keep in mind before getting ready to go live with the new ERP system. Can you talk to us through that a little bit? I can, I can. And there's there's four factors that I'm going to give you. So, and I've alluded to them all throughout the beginning. So hopefully people are still on and now you get them. Um, the first thing for sure is user acceptance testing. And, and, and the most important thing in that phrase is the first two words. Are users accepting the system? See, it's kind of a funny thing because when you think about UAT or testing, it's like, oh, we're making sure that the software works. No, you're not. You're making sure that the users will accept what they have. Do you see the nuanced difference there? It's it's, it's not about, okay, we're going to put this, this system through all these tests and blah, blah, blah. And if it passes, then we're good. Uh-uh. What we're actually doing, it's a very um, subjective process as we're making sure that the folks are using it are actually going to use it and they're accepting of it and they're going to say, yeah, this is good, right? Right. Now, you got to be careful because some people say, this is great. You're like, well, how'd that testing go? Oh, I didn't do it. Well, why are you telling me it's great then? That's scary, right? Um, but you know, responsible organizations that doesn't happen. So, so that's the first thing is let's make sure that the users really accept the solution that's in front of them because they could have said the requirements were A, but then throughout the whole process they changed to B. Now we have software that reflects B, but what they really wanted was A. B works perfect, but what they really wanted was A. So they're not accepting it. Okay, well we're still going to go live with it. Don't do that. Right. <laughs> make sure that the people that need the system are going to accept it. That's that's first factor. The second factor is is data, 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 data. I I think we're going to do our next call is going to be called data. And we're just going to say the word data every like for like three minutes. And then it'll be the end of the call. (laughs) I think that's been a part of almost every podcast webinar call that we've had is like data is so important. It is. It is. And, and, And it's. 
Honestly, it's the real reason why organizations implement new software. I mean, there's process automation and there's new user interfaces and there's technology legacy. You know, we built this app and the person who wrote it's like 125 years old and da 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 da. There's all those kinds of problems, but ultimately the reason why we want new systems is because we want we want information about the organization that we can't get. Right. And when you get bigger and bigger and bigger, I mean, we struggle with this, right? And we're a fairly small organization with 18 people or whatever. And I don't know what's happening with everybody anymore because we're just smaller. So getting the data as best as you can during the, the uh, conversion process and then at go live is vital. And, and what that the secret to that is the dress rehearsal. One of our guys kind of came up with that 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 theme, um, but he does three or four kind of go live cutovers early in the project to test that we have all the data that we know what we're doing. We pulled all the data that the users know where to go and can, can, can validate and make sure that it's right. So the second factor is data. Um, I'm like on a roll today, so I'll just kind of keep it a little shorter, but um, so, so the third factor with, with um, the cutover with the go live um, this is a little bit, um, I, I do think folks miss this, honestly. So this is another time to, 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 to perk up your ears. They really don't set the expectations with all the stakeholders on what could happen at Go Live. So it goes back to hope, right? I mean, we, we are very much people that, that have a lot of hope in what we do, but man, we do a lot of preparation, right? And, you know, you can rely on luck and you can have some and you need it. But here's the thing. Um, let's say you're a, a large, you know, privately held organization and you're going live and, um, you know, go live's been okay and we're getting closer to, to or the, the implementation's gone okay, we're getting closer to the cutover and getting ready to go live. And we feel like, huh, you know, there's some things we're not totally sure, we're not really working out. So maybe a couple months in advance, especially for our CFOs, controllers out there, you might want to talk to the bank. You know, you have covenants uh, reporting you have to do. And you might say, hey, we're switching systems. I think it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to get you the covenants reports on time. But I did just want to let you know, we may be a little delayed. Or maybe to the board. And, you know, I can I can sense as I say that, that people are like, I, I don't have that luxury to do that. Well, then you better make sure that your system's tested well. <laughs> but I am telling you from doing this year after year after year after year is that you really do want to set the expectation with people a little low and then work like mad to exceed it. But that's the third thing I would say is really set the stakeholder expectations that it might be a little bit bumpy on the go live. So the last piece, um, and, and I think, you know, we... I'm looking at my own, uh, the methodology I created for ERP advisors and our change management um, approach, which is pretty practical. It's like a really practical change management kind of thing. It's not some high level, like make sure everybody feels good. No, 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 no. But um, you really need to incent people after a go live. Like you have to acknowledge that they worked hard, that they put in personal time, that they've, you know, committed um, at a, a higher level than maybe some of the other employees in the organization have, right? Because they're still doing their day job. Maybe you backfill them a little bit or whatever, but then they get you to the go live, do something for your people. You know, it, I mean, maybe a little cash or it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, maybe it's a small gift or, 
you know, maybe you send them on a three week trip to Jamaica and they just hang out down there. I don't know about that, but um, just a little something that that really incentivizes people. You know, maybe you don't even tell them you're going to do it, but you just do it at the end. It's sort of it, there's some recognition. You know, I think what people love the most from what I've seen is the CEO sends out an email and says, you know, that go live is hard. We got through it. You know, I really want to acknowledge these following people for for committing to the business and investing so much of their personal time. And, you know, and then maybe you are sending flowers to their 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 wife or you're sending, you know, chocolates to their husbands or what I love chocolate. If anybody ever wants to make me happy, just give me chocolate. Um, but you know, whatever those little things are, even to the family members, sometimes those are just nice things to do. So there's four factors, I'd say. Well, speaking of those, um, I don't know if maybe they would go along with this next question, but if you were asked to put together a go live checklist, what are the musts that you would include? Um, I would include Curtis Waite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Quentin DeWitt or our other guys. Um, but, um, you know, these are guys that have been doing this forever. Right. And um, so so, but um, specifically in a cutover checklist, that's a great question to ask, by the way. Between you and Sean, that's probably the most valuable question that we have asked in five or six calls, honestly. Mm-hmm. So we should like point to this in the um, for everybody uh, because there's very little understood about go live uh, cutover checklists. So because the problem here, and then I'll tell you what should be in it, is the client thinks the implementation partner is going to put together a go live cutover checklist. It's going to contain everything that needs to get done at GoLive. Well, maybe the vendor doesn't necessarily know everything that has to happen. So the vendor certainly knows, okay, we need to move this data over and we need to open up the access for the new system and, you know, be ready for problems. Okay, fine. But but from the client side, it's like, wait a minute, uh, I got to make sure that that the, the people that are going live, they have a job aid that's laminated, a piece of paper that's laminated that says, here's how you log into the system, or here's how you do the really simple things. Um, and anymore in this virtual world, you know, you have a library of these things so people can get to those. You got to make sure that's available. Um I tend to look at cutovers and the checklist as um, something that, uh, you know, a third grader would understand. Make it extremely simple. And we're talking about a third grader who's not some techie, beanie, weenie, you know, whiz kind of person. I mean, you know, on this day, at this time, do this. Just as an example of a little nugget again is, you on the cutover checklist, you always have to include when you stop access to the old system. Because we've had this happen before. We're all right, we're live on the new system. Oh my gosh, the customer service representatives just put all those orders into the old system. Well, why did they have access? I don't know. I didn't know I needed to turn it off. Right? I wish everybody knew that. Well, now they do with these, these videos. Um, but that's that's something that's important is to think about by day, by hour, and by order within the day, what needs to get done. And you really do want to think comprehensively. Right. So um, even, you know, we usually start kind of a minus 10 day, um, uh, the 10 days before the cutover. Uh, sometimes it's two weeks. Um, sometimes we'll set as another kind of a, a nugget of things that people might not think about being in there is send a quick uh, communication to your customers. Mm-hmm. 
to say, you know, you're now going to be paying your bills online. We've told you about it all along, but that's happening in two weeks. Here's a link to the test where you can just go and see it, or here's the here's the link um, that you're going to need two weeks from now. And then you send that to them, you know, six days beforehand, and then two days, and then certainly the day before. Um, so you really want to think with kind of all of the tasks, not just um, refresh the customer list, refresh the vendor list for go live, uh, bring over the ending balances from the old system, become the beginning balances or all the open transactions for the old system come into the new system. I mean, there's all kinds of tips and tricks and things you can do there. Another little one to think about, some of our clients will pay all their bills out of their old system and they'll cut all the checks, but then stick the checks in a drawer and then um, there's no AP that has to be brought over to the new system. And then they'll send out those checks when they want to. It's a little manual process, but it's one less thing to think about at, at, at Go Live. So at the cutover. But probably the only other thing I would say to Juliet is, um, uh, oh, oh, yes. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, as we were preparing for this call, I was like data, 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 data. And then the other thing was bank integrations, bank integrations, bank integrations, bank integrations. Um, you know, a big reason why folks switch out their accounting systems is so that they can automate processes. And um, one of those processes that can be automated is uh, bank communication. So, hey, we do our AP. We want to pay these vendors. Let's say there's 150 of them. And we've set these vendors up as ACH, EFT, whatever, or even some of the international standards. We click pay all ACH, save. Yay, it's done, right? Well, no, then a file gets created. And then that file has to get transmitted to the bank. And then the bank will process that. And then woof, all the EFTs, ACHs, wires go out, which is amazing. Because so we don't have to go to the bank and do each one. It saves a ton of time. Most folks love that. And it's a great thing, especially for our controllers to do. But man, if you got that integration, you got to test that, that bank integration so early. Like you got to start like... Like, you know, 10 years ago, you should have started it. <laughs> it takes a while with the banks, but it cut over. So you want to be in communication with all of your third-party vendors that you're integrating with and telling, okay, this is the day that we're done testing. Now we need to send this to our production system. Don't send any of the test files before then, right? But now we're going to do, uh, it starts today. So it's another thing on the cutover checklist is to make sure that you're communicating with the vendors to say it starts now. Right, right. Instead of, oh, no afterwards right like right. what did i not do why didn't anybody get paid why didn't our employees get paid on our payroll conversion oh my gosh <laughs> so okay along with all the nuggets that you've given us today is there anything very particular that our listeners today should watch out for when preparing for a go live yeah um you know all the indicators for a bad go live happen early. It's not like, well, the project was going great. And then we did the cutover and the go live and it was terrible. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, years ago, I had put a, um, a blog entry out on a site that, it, you know, again, we try to be practical, right? That said, when you're selecting an implementation partner, find the partner you're willing to bet your job on because you are. Resenses. So um, I would love for the folks listening today to understand, trust yourself, you know, trust your gut, trust your intuition, whatever you want to say. But early on in the process, you watch like a hawk 
the implementation partner. And, and you make sure that their stuff is together, that they know what they're doing and that they're organized. And, and we're talking the people on the project, right? Project managers specifically, and then there's usually a technical lead, right? Those two people, you want to watch them like a hawk. Let them do their thing for, you know, a little bit, month, maybe two, maybe it's a couple of weeks, whatever. And when you get those early indications of like this, these people are not organized, I mean, you got to raise the flag right away. And you go to the project sponsor on the implementation partner side, you say, look, I'm kind of worried about these guys. They don't seem like they're very organized. Oh, they're fine. They've done this all the time. It'll be okay. Okay, good, stop. You put a warning out there, right? And then as you go a little bit further and then you see that the disorganization continues, you go back to that person and say, look, I warned you on this. This is getting a lot worse. You're gonna to need to talk to them now. Okay, and they will, right? And you give them that third opportunity. If it's still bad, you go back to the sponsor and say, that's it. I need a better team. And you got to get me people that have done this before for my industry. And they're usually like, oh, yeah, I have this great person. I'll get them plugged in. And then bing, everything works. Like, you'd be amazed. You just be uh, just, I mean, look, every business is growing and expanding, including these software vendors, their implementation partners. Sometimes they, they get they hire somebody who's done this a million times before they put them out and they're terrible. So, I mean, that's the last thing I would leave everybody with today, Juliet, is you really need to trust your own instincts on if you're seeing the disorganization, that's the biggest indicator. It's what we call a bad indicator. An indicator points to what could be a problem, right? It's not a thing in and of itself, but if the person's disorganized, which is kind of a thing, but if they're disorganized when it's easy, when you have all those tasks that go live, they're going to be clueless. So handle it early. Send, but but escalate appropriately. Don't just say, this person's disorganized. I want them off my project. I mean, you could do that. But, you know, just see the person, watch them, put out the warnings to the sponsor to say, hey, if this doesn't get better, they're out. Um, yeah. And then, I, I mean, then you, that's when you get the best people from the implementation partner sometimes if you don't have them already. So there's a little nugget that will hopefully help everybody a lot. Right. You just want the best team to get you where you need to be, right? Yeah, that's right. So I know we are over time, but we had a question come in. Do you have a few minutes? Yeah, as long as you guys don't mind my dog snoring in the background over there. She's uh, she's kind of loud. I apologize. I love it. Oh. I oh. oh my gosh. Okay. So the question that came in is how do you handle that one person that no matter what comes up with a roadblock at every turn on why the project can't go live, but all requirements and system performances, um, there's nothing wrong. How do you handle that? Well, um, we have a guy on our name on our team. His name is uh, Guido, and uh, <laughs> he. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's a very good question. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, you know, it, it, frankly, um, as always, my accounting teachers taught me the answer is always it depends. Um, but it really does depend on the person's importance to the go live. Like if it's somebody who's a little lower level, maybe they've been there a long time and they really don't want to change, ignore it. As long as you know, it's fine. Um, the person's going to leave your company after go live anyway. You think, is that usually what happens? I know. Um, and they probably needed to go anyway. Um, so that just happened. Like it happens all the time. Now, if they're higher, and they are saying things like, well, I don't think we've really tested my area of the application very well. That's a different story. Okay, great. Test it. We're going we're gonna to stop the rest of the project. We're going to give you X amount of time. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Great. That opportunity. 
Um, and if there's somewhere in between there, um, you know, you really do, you have to kind of gauge like how important is this person's satisfaction to the overall go live? Because they might be at a lower role, but they have a lot of influence with others. And if they're complaining and other people hear it, then fear starts to spread, right? So, um, you know, I mean, as always, the best thing to do is to confront the individual and, and just say, I really want to understand what you mean here. Show me what it is. Um, but sometimes people aren't quite forthright or whatever. And like I said, in the, the instance of them not being quite forthright, um, you really need to weigh the consequences of this person being dissatisfied. Um, I, I can tell you, um, you know, much like life in general, if you're doing the right thing for the organization, for you as the sponsor and for the end users and everybody, the owners, if you're doing the right thing and you have one dissenter, okay, fine you know, go with it. Right. But if that, if that does, if there's some things that aren't quite right, that's when the dissenter's voice hurts when it comes in on you a little more where you're like, crap, they're right. We didn't do this. Well, let's, you know, go talk to the executive sponsor, to the CEO or whoever's really overseeing this thing and just say, you know what, um, we need to do this. This person mentioned this and I think they're right. And then if the person doesn't like, if they stop flapping their jaws at that point, it's good. But if they're continuing to flap their jaws and just ignore it and just go live. Okay. Easy for me to say, but um, that's my, my advice. Right. Right. And just pray. It's only one person. That's right. Yeah. That's a great thing. Actually, if it's the one. <laughs> that's right. So, well, Sean, I think we've come to our time today, but thank you as always for sharing your knowledge, your expertise with all of us. So glad to have the opportunity. Thanks, Juliet. Yeah. Thanks. So, and thank you everyone for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, let us know um, if you have any questions. As Sean said, you can reach out to any of us. We're happy to help in any way we can. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software consulting firms, advising mid to large size businesses on selecting and implementing business applications, including ERP, CRM, HCM, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equate to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor.